0: Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wa salatu salamu ala Rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala, amma ba'd. Ayyu al ikhwa wal-akhawat, respected brothers and sisters in Islam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we seek His divine aid, we seek His forgiveness. For whom say Iba Allah Azza wa Jal guides, none can misguide, and whom say Iba Allah Azza wa Jal misguides, none can guide i bear that with this right to be worshipped except Allah Jalla alone without any partner And I testify that the Prophet Muhammad Alayhi wassalam, is his final Prophet and Messenger As I proceed insha'Allah, we commence our class titled The Beneficial Means to Leading a Happy Life Based upon a risale, a very very short treatise by a great scholar of Islam, Sheikh Abdul Rahman Ibn Nasir al-Sa'idi Rahimahullah Ta'ala who lived in the past century of Islam, in the 14th century, Rahimahullah Taala. And we mentioned that this work originally was based upon a work authored by an American author by the name of Dale Carnegie. And the book was translated into Arabic, and the book was titled "Da'il Qalq wa Hayah." Stop worrying. And start living. And so, Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al sadi he came across this book. And he mentioned the story. And he felt that this book required an Islamic spin to it. It required to be put into perspective from the view of Iman. And so, Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al sadi he penned this very, very short but powerful treatise based upon how a person can use practical means within his deen to achieve happiness in this life, but more so in the next. And so we mentioned that Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasser al summarizes for us and he says that happiness can be obtained by one of three ways. That there are three main ways of obtaining happiness. And the first method, it is by way of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the deen of Allah azza wa wajal, it has a lot to say about well-being it has a lot to say about how we achieve happiness and it has a lot to say about how we go about achieving this happiness through the medium of deen and for a muslim this is the foundation of all happiness the second method he mentions to us how a person goes about achieving happiness is uh, by natural means meaning the person's nature as we have explained is easy going that his fitrah is such his natural innate makeup is such that he's an easygoing person and he's a joyful person and the third way a person goes about achieving happiness is through asbab al amaliyah means which are practical meaning a person can learn these means and he can implement it and he can achieve happiness by way of these means and so a believer as default should be the most happy because the believer is the one who has access to all three of these mediums he has access to all three of these pathways of obtaining happiness so naturally believers should be more happy. And so Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir Asadi he mentions chapter one the greatest and fundamental means of achieving a good life is Iman, certain belief, wa and good deeds. That this is really the basis for a Muslim how he goes about achieving a happy life. It is through Iman and through righteous deeds, through Iman and righteous deeds. And Sheikh Abdul Rahman quotes the verse in al Nahal, verse 97, to prove this fact. That the person who possesses Iman, and this Iman gives rise to good deeds, Allah Azza wa Jal will give these people a happy life. And he quotes the verse, when Allah Azza wa Jal mentions, بعد ان اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم من عمل صالحا من ذكر او انثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينا حياه طيبه ولنجزيانهم اجرهم باحسن ما كانوا يعملون and Allah says that whoever works righteousness whoever does good deeds من أو أنثى Whether this person be a male untha, or a female So there is no discrimination between gender But Allah places the condition down and He says وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ This person is a mu'min a true believer in Allah سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى Allah says فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا that Allah Azzawajal says He will give them a life that is good and pure. Allah Azza will give them a life that is good and pure. And Allah says in the Akhira, وَلَنَجَزِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْرَهُمْ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ And in the year after, we will bestow on them such a reward according to the best of their deeds. And so the believer is the one who obtains happiness in dunya and in Akhirah. We ask Allah azawajal, makes us from the su'ada, the happy ones. Ameen. So Shaykh Abdurrahman then mentions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He promises that whomsoever jama'ah gathers between Iman, the person who gathers between Iman and righteous deeds. The person gathers between Iman and righteous deeds, that Allah promises them a good and pure life in this world, and with an excellent reward in the year after. And then he mentions Wasababun. That the reason for this it is clear. The reason why believers obtain happiness, it is clear. And he mentions for indeed the believers, those who believe in Allah Azza wa Al Iman sahih And that is a point we need to really mention. That Shaykh al-Rahman makes reference here to al-Iman as-Sahih, to true faith, faith which is based upon Tawheed, true monotheism, faith which is not tainted and corrupted by false beliefs or cultural practices which go in opposition to what the texts of the Qur'an and the Sunnah say. Al-Iman as-Sahih, he says... And this Al-Iman As-Sahih, it gives rise to righteous deeds. Because this is the true fruit of Iman. It is not sufficient for us to have Muslim names. Muhammad, Fatima, Ali and the likes of this. But we don't do any actions of the people of Al-Islam. Rather, through Iman, it gives rise to righteous deeds. And this is the true definition of Iman. As defined by ahl Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Wherein they say that Al-Iman is bil lisan. it is a statement upon the tongue. bil and it is recognition and affirmation within the heart. Wa bil And to act accordingly with one's limbs, and they say iman, yankus, it increases and decreases accordingly. If the person does righteousness, it increases. If the person transgresses, then the person's iman decreases. And so this is the holistic definition of iman in the Ahli Sunnah wal Jama'ah, with Ahli Sunnah wal Jama'a, that it is a statement upon the tongue. But this alone is not sufficient just to say La Ilaha illallah" makes you a believer. Rather, it must be an affirmation in the heart as well. Once the person affirms this in the heart, he must act accordingly. That iman necessitates actions, and so Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions that when the person has true iman, which gives rise to righteous deeds, and these righteous deeds, al-muslih lil qulub wal-akhlaq wal-dunya wal-akhirah, and these righteous deeds, it has the ability to rectify one's heart. That deeds have an effect on the soul. Deeds have an effect on the soul, and if the soul is upon righteousness. And if the soul is upright and sound and correct, then everything which emanates from this will also be correct. And so, he mentions that these righteous deeds, they rectify the heart. And it also rectifies one's akhlaq. That your Islam must be evident in terms of your mannerisms, your akhlaq, and your adab. As the Prophet Muhammad also mentions in an authentic hadith, المسلم من سلم المسلمون من لسانه ويده that the, Muslim, the true Muslim is the one who other Muslims are safe from his tongue and they are safe from his hand meaning he doesn't harm them in terms of mentioning them in a bad light like and the likes of this and he doesn't harm them in terms of his physical actions he doesn't outstretch his hand to harm the Muslims and so we see here that deeds affect the heart and the akhlaq it also rectifies the person's dunya and the person's akhirah. and he mentions that the believers they have the basic element or the basic elements he says that the believers have the basic elements which cause them to react accordingly to matters which pertain to happiness and joy and also matters which refer to qalq, to anxiety, hammi mentioned mentions sorrow, and al-ahzan. So what the Sheikh is mentioning here is that a believer has a natural coping mechanism. And this coping mechanism, it takes effect in times of experiencing the good decree of Allah azawajal, and also at times of experiencing the Bad Decree of Allah as-Swajal. So when the going is good He reacts in a certain manner And when he is faced with some form of calamity He reacts in a certain manner And so this teaches us that Islam Is a natural coping mechanism To deal with difficulties which, he, which we face in our lives. And so he mentions the believers, firstly, and he says that they receive moments of happiness and joy by readily accepting it. لها, that they accept these moments of joy and pleasure and happiness and they are grateful for it. Meaning that they affirm within themselves that these moments, it is only as a result of Allah Azza wa divine decree. And so they do not attribute this to their own doing, but rather they know that this is Allah Azza wa decree and they have this affirmation in their heart. They have this gratitude to Allah Azza wa for his bounties within their hearts, within their hearts. And this is the first level as to how they deal with the good decree. Secondly, they also prove to be thankful for these bounties. They show gratitude to Allah Azzawajal for these bounties which He has bestowed upon them. And so shukr, it has conditions which must be fulfilled upon the person in order for it to be true shukr. And the first is that they have this affirmation that whatever bounty they experience, it is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is not as a result of their own doing, of their physical ability or their mental capacity. They don't feel that they have a good life uh, because of their own physical doing. But the believer attributes this good to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second level is... That the shukr is manifest on their limbs, that um, they utilize these bounties uh, to achieve the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he'll expound upon that more very soon. Uh, And also, that they speak about these bounties. As for the bounties of your Lord, then speak about it. Right, like praising, say Alhamdulillah and give gratitude to him. That is the second level, that they, they show gratitude for these bounties. And then he mentions thirdly, that they utilize these bounties ينفع, That they utilize these bounties with regards um, to those matters which brings them benefit. That a believer doesn't squander the bounties of Allah. Uh, In his disobedience Allah confers upon you wealth You spend it upon haram Now the believer Allah gives you wealth You firstly spend that wealth Upon those whom it is obligatory upon you to spend Your wife and your kids And then you spend upon those Whom are destitute And that is a sadaqah And you also give the due charity Which is wajib upon you Your zakat And so the person utilizes wealth in this manner, the true believer. Likewise, if Allah Azzawajal bestows upon you righteous kids or he bestows upon your children, you raise these kids according to sound tarbiyah. Sound Islamic education and cultivation. That you raise them upon sound tarbiyah. This is utilizing the bounty which Allah gives you um, in that which brings benefit. Further benefit to you in dunya and akhirah. And so he mentions that when they utilize these bounties in this manner Then additional joy um, comes about as a result of this And this is something which we experience When you do a righteous deed and you do it for the sake of Allah We find that within our hearts we have additional joy due to that righteous deed Due to the righteous deed, we experience additional joy. They also have a tom, as the sheikh mentions, and they are also desirous that these bounties uh, remain with them and this bounties, the blessings of these bounties are increased. And they also expect from Allah Azza the reward of those whom. They expect from Allah The reward of those Whom show gratitude to Allah As Allah says That if you give gratitude to me And you prove to be thankful to me I will increase you in these bounties And so giving gratitude to Allah For his bounties Which he bestows upon us that actually guarantees that these bounties remain with us. That we know that this is not truly within our capability to ensure that we are always in a state of afiyah, that we are always in a state of good health, that we always have enough wealth to take care of our needs, and that we have goodness in the life of this world. It's not really within our grasp to decide that, but we know it lies in the hands of Allah. And so by giving gratitude for these bounties, uh, we expect from Allah azza The reward of the shakirin And the reward of the shakirin is If you are grateful Allah increases you In those bounties They also experience um, Great affairs um, Which goodness and blessings uh, Come about As a result of Them approaching the good decree of Allah in this manner. That the fruits which they experience because of the gratitude which they show to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is greater than the actual bounty which they were given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so um, the additional Jewish experience as a result of their good deeds, it in fact is greater than actual, the actual good deed that they do and um, this is the believer uh, when he receives these situations in this manner al sidi mentions this is the fruits which they experience as a result of their reaction to the good decree of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this brings us to a statement of the salaf from the amongst the scholars of the Salaf, uh, one of them mentioned the righteous predecessors. They mentioned, muluk wa muluk, ma la They said that the kings and the sons of the kings known what we are experiencing in the life of this world of happiness. لَجَالَدُونَ عَلَيْهَا And he said, they would have fought us with the sword. Why they would have fought us with the sword? To obtain this happiness. And so what is the happiness they are talking about here? The happiness they are talking about here, it al-iman. Is it It is the sweetness of faith. Which comes about as a result of righteous deeds. That we know, the scholars of this ummah, they used to dedicate themselves to knowledge and they would dedicate themselves to disseminating this knowledge and also practicing upon this knowledge and as a result of this Allah Azza wa gives them the sweetness of faith which is experience which is an experience which cannot really be explained except for the one whom Allah Azza wa has granted the sensation and this feeling which shows us That true happiness It lies in the religion of Allah It lies in Iman And it lies in good deeds Many of us we think That happiness lies in material wealth And material well-being But this Halawatul Iman Which the Salaf spoke about It refers to Iman And Amalussari And so this is how the believers approach the good decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next instance which Sheikh Abdul Rahman Rahim explains is how the believers react to the bad decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that the fitrah, the nature al-insan of a man or mankind is that they don't desire difficulty in fact they want to be distant from difficulty they want to be distant from um, grief. they want to be distant from depression and anxiety right and this is uh, the natural nature of human beings however when the believers are afflicted with some form Of difficulty and trial, they react in a different way. And so he mentions that they receive moments of difficulty and moments which are harmful, and moments of grief and moments of sorrow. That they receive these difficult situations. Um, by resisting what they are able to resist. By resisting what they are able to resist. And this shows us that a believer is proactive. That when he um, is faced and afflicted with a difficulty, he approaches it in a different manner. He doesn't lose hope and despair, but rather he is proactive in trying to achieve change. And so he resists whatever is irresistible, or whatever is irresistible, sorry, whatever is irresistible, and that means that if you know that pursuing a certain path will bring you difficulty, and pursuing a certain path will give you grief, and pursuing a certain path will give you sorrow, then naturally you should avoid it, naturally you should avoid it, and so this is the first level as to how they go about approaching difficult situations. If this is not possible, he mentions, وَتَخْفِيفُ مَا يُمْكِنُهُمْ تَخْفِيفُهُ And they try to lighten whatever could be lightened. Whatever is in your capability of creating ease for yourself, then you take towards those means. You take towards those means. And we'll get to that inshallah when Sheikh Abdul Rahman deals with that segment. Um, How Righteous deeds. Has an effect on lifting, grief and sorrow, and so they, they lighten whatever can, could be lightened. And if this is not possible, the third level he mentions was al- Jamil in the bud. If this is um, not possible for them to achieve to lighten the burden, then they have beautiful patience. They approach the situation with beautiful patience. Um, in those matters which they cannot avoid, those matters which is beyond their capability, those matters which lies in the hands of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, then they approach it with beautiful patience. They approach it with beautiful patience. He then mentions, and by way of this, they obtain the benefit of earnest struggle by approaching the difficult situations with this mindset and this approach they receive the benefit of earnest struggle and this is um, the lessons which they derive from that difficult situation as hardship teaches us lessons when we go through ordeals and trials and calamities Firstly, we need to ask ourselves, why did Allah Azzawajal place me in this situation? It could be as of a result of what our own hands have sent forth. Because our, our deeds, good and bad, it has effect. So, are you in the situation because of um, a deed which you did, a bad deed? As we know, for example, one of the reasons for faqr, one of the reasons for poverty it is sins so what sins are you committing which causes you to fall in this situation we need to ask that question and so hardship teaches us lessons that difficulty begets ease that wherever difficulty is found ease soon follows but you have to go through the difficulty first also as Ibn Hazm mentions, that when the calamity reaches its peak, ease comes. He says, He says, when the difficulty reaches its peak, when sorrow and grief and difficulty reaches its peak, then know that soon it will come to an end. So whenever difficulty reaches its peak, no that ease is around the corner. And so he mentions um, that by way of these difficult encounters, they also develop experience and inner strength. They develop um, experience and inner strength. That the next time they are faced with a the calamity, they react in a better way and they have more strength to deal with the difficult situations which they encounter. He then mentions, they also approach these difficult situations with patience and الاجر, that they approach difficult situations with patience. And they also seek reward for their patience in difficult situations. So how can one expect reward in difficult situations? Uh, what comes to mind here is the hadith which refers to the thorn prick. The hadith of the thorn prick. Where the Prophet Muhammad also mentions, ما يسيب المسلم من نصب ولا وصب ولا هم ولا حزن ولا أذن ولا غم حتى شوكتي يشاكوها إِلَّا غَفَرَ اللَّهُ بِهَا مِنْ خطاياه. SubhanAllah but The hadith mentions that no believer is striked with fatigue or disease or ham which refers to sorrow وَلَا حَزْنَ No sadness وَلَا أَذَى No is he afflicted with any form of harm And the Prophet clarifies this further and he says حَتَّى shawkati Even the thorn which pricks him. When the believer experiences all of these difficulties, except for the fact that Allah Azzawajal wipes away his sins by way of the difficulty which he encounters. And that's why the scholars say, مَا um, إِذَمِ by great difficulty, or with great difficulty, comes about great reward. With great difficulty comes about great reward. So, the person who is patient and he looks at this calamity from the perspective of the Iman, that he says that Allah Azzawajal is expiating for me my sins, and by way of this, Allah will exalt my status in the dunya, but more so in the akhirah. Firstly, Allah wipes away your sins in the dunya and he exalts your daraja in the akhirah. This person is the person who receives reward when going through these difficulty difficulties. And so we see that Islam really is a coping mechanism to deal with calamities and misfortune. And so he mentions that the person who approaches um, calamities in this manner, it causes the difficult situation to be dismal, that all this experience he goes through. And as a result of him approaching this difficult situation in this manner, the benefits which come about as a result of this uh, makes the actual difficulty Dismal. And what is exchange in the place of this difficulty is joy and good hope. And also desiring the good favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His rewards. And this once again is for the believer who gathers between Iman and righteous deeds. Both at times of good and at times. Of experiencing the bad decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he mentions for this a proof wherein the Prophet Muhammad expressed this in the authentic hadith reported in Sahih Muslim wherein the Prophet Muhammad says amazing is the affair of the believer amazing is the affair of the believer Khairun. All of his affairs are good. The good times are good and the bad times are good. <inaudible> if he is afflicted with some form of sarra, some form of joy. And sarra, as the scholars say, <inaudible> It is a comprehensive term to give given to all those things. Which causes happiness. So, whatever form of happiness the person experiences, khayran and he uh, proves to be thankful for this bounty, then that is good for him. and if he is afflicted with some form of darra, and once again, the scholars mention that darra is ismun jamion It is a comprehensive term given to all those things. Which, which causes harm and the person is patient as we experienced or mentioned previously um, and the person is patient during this uh, calamity then that is also good for him and the Prophet mentions illa and this is for none other than the true believer reported by Muslim and so here the Prophet Muhammad he mentions to us the true methodology and manhaj of a Muslim both at times of prosperity and at times of difficulty and adversity and so many people they take towards self-help courses and self-help books and they seek external help, they try to outsource basically But have we really studied what Islam has to say about well-being and happiness Here we can see clearly the Prophet Muhammad sallam, He gives us a clear um, method to be followed at times of joy and happiness And also times of um, sorrow and difficulty Sheikh T al mentions um, that here yeah, the Prophet Muhammad has informed us that the believer's rewards and goodness and the benefits and fruits of his actions is multiplied. It is multiplied. The goodness you experience, that in and of itself is a bounty. And so you prove to be thankful for that bounty and you are further rewarded. Uh, He says In everything which um, He is approached with Of happiness And difficulty So The difficult times He approaches with patience And perseverance And then his reward Is also multiplied Subhanallah Um, And then he mentions And for this reason You find uh, Two people They are faced With Similar situations Situations of ups and downs Of life situations And as a result of this They both differ as how they react To these situations A great differing In terms of how they approach it And he mentions that this Is as a result of the differing um, in terms of Iman and their righteous deeds. So the higher the Iman, the person will approach um, the situation accordingly. The lower the Iman, the person will also approach the situation accordingly. He then mentions, Rahimullah Ta'ala, may Allah have mercy upon him, the one with Iman and righteous deeds encounters both good and and bad situations with what we mentioned of thankfulness in good situations. So this is how the believer approaches um, the good situations and patience with regards to the bad situations. And he mentions plus the other things that go along with them. And as a result of him approaching life in this manner, he experiences joy and happiness. And grief and sorrow leaves him. When he approaches moments of grief and sorrow with patience and perseverance, and in the method the Prophet explained to us, the grief and sorrow leaves him. And he becomes free from misery, he becomes free from anxiety and constriction of the heart, and he lives a good and happy life in this world. So Allah Azza Jal gives him an expansive chest. Rappishraqhli Sadriya Allah Azza Jal expand for me my chest. And a person cannot really approach life in a good manner if he has a constricted chest. But rather, when Allah Azza expands for him his chest, then he approaches life, inshaAllah, um in the correct light and he achieves good things be Idnina subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this person, he lives a good and happy life in this world. And so this shows us that Islam gives us a method and a coping mechanism to deal with situations, specifically, of grief and sorrow, of which we will not find in other religions, of which we will not find in other methods which are followed. For example, um, psychology. They divorce um, Allah Azzawajal from the equation. It is a secular approach. And honestly, there is no aib, there is no um, frowning upon the person who, if his situation has reached that level, that he needs to seek medical help for um, anxiety or depression, then by all means, he should pursue that path but he should approach this path also with Iman and righteous deeds. So this is the first band and first group of people um, Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions and there are the believers. He then goes on to mention the other one. On the other hand, encounters joyful and agreeable situations with insolence. Insolence meaning bad manners, arrogance and rebellion. So, when the person who does not have Iman, and the person who is weak in Iman, he experiences uh, moments of joy and happiness, which come about as the decree of Allah subhanahu wa taala. then he meets these situations with arrogance and rebellion. He uses the word Tughiyan, transgression. And this is the reality, a person, for example, is young, he's given wealth, and so, he becomes uh, haughty and he becomes arrogant and he buys the best of clothing and he um, drives the most fancy of cars and he thinks that he is a big shot as a result of this. So that bounty which he experiences does not humble him and there's no problem with having a good appearance and driving a nice car but how we um, how we react to the situation is important. and so. This makes him naughty, and it makes him forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, he approaches the situation with arrogance and rebellion. Sheikh Rahman mentions, as a result of this, his behavior deviates. And so, um, this good fortune that he has in his path, his behavior, his akhlaq, it deviates. So he utilizes it, he parties. He drinks, um, he he uses drugs and so he becomes just like an animal He becomes just like an animal because his main objective is to fulfill his desire is to fulfill his desire and so he encounters this moment of joy with utter greed and a burning anxiety and Restlessness. So, despite the fact that he is experiencing good fortune and good decree of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, he is still in a state of anxiety and restlessness. Meaning, the heart is not really at ease. And for this reason, um, Sheikh Muhammad um, Ibn Ibrahim Al Hamd, he mentioned when explaining this risala, he says that we should not give um, importance to the madhar meaning to the outer. Appearance Because many a time We look from the outside And we look at people And they seem happy Mashallah Instagram Happy family Right Happy wife Happy husband Happy kids But he mentions How many times Did they have to take a picture In order To get the perfect picture And so he says To not give importance To the outer appearance Because rather True happiness He says True happiness is in the heart. True happiness is in the heart. So he says don't be deceived by the outer appearance. And so despite the fact that this person is experiencing good fortune from Allah. He is still um, restless. He is still restless. And despite this his heart is still not at rest. His heart is still not at rest. And so, um, when you're experiencing good fortune, for example, he fears um, that this money will decrease and this money will go. And he also, um, he fears that he will lose his job and he stresses about these situations. And so, he's experiencing good fortune and he feels. Um, as if this good fortune Will leave him And so this makes him This makes him Restless This makes him Restless And for this There's a beautiful hadith Where the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Mentions to us um, The two um, Different individuals um, Those people Who make uh, The life of this world Their highest aspiration And those Who make The year after Their highest aspiration And our life deals with them Accordingly, uh, by the way of the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the narration intermediately reads as follows. The Hadith of Anas ibn Malik. He says that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said, Man Subhanallah. He mentions that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said, that whosoever even makes the year after his highest aspiration and his objective جَعَلَ اللَّهُ اللَّهَ Azza Wajal places غِنَا فِي قَلْبِهِ Allah places independence and happiness and contentment in his heart وَجَمَعَ and Allah gathers his affairs for him Allah makes all of his affairs easy for him his marital life is bliss his job is bliss um, his family life is bliss. His interaction with others is bliss. Why? Because he makes the year after his highest objective. And this person doesn't have to have the most wealth. But this person um, makes the Akhirah his highest objective. And so Allah Azawajal, as a result of this, gathers his affairs for him. And Allah mentions, وَأَتَتْهُ dunya, Or rather the Prophet mentions, وَأَتَتْهُ الدُّنْيَا وَهِيَ رَغِمَةٌ And the dunya comes to this person While this person is at rest So this person doesn't make the dunya his highest objective And the dunya comes to him While he is at rest The Prophet then mentions the flip side of this and he says That whosoever makes the dunya his ham His highest objective and his highest aspiration then Allah Azzawajal places faqr, places poverty in between his eyes. And Allah Jalla disperses his matters for him and makes his affairs difficult for him. And he only achieves of the dunya what was written for him. So this person, he makes the dunya his highest aspiration objective. And despite the fact that he is wealthy, This wealth consumes him. He lies on his mattress at night. And all that um, his mind um, revolves around. It is wealth. And I can make more wealth. And I can save this wealth. And I can preserve this wealth. And so this person despite the fact he has wealth. He only sees poverty. Allah places poverty in between his eyes. And Allah makes his worldly affairs difficult for him. And he only gets of the dunya. That which was decreed. For him. And this kind of sums up this individual. And so despite this, Shaykh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasr al He mentions his heart is still not at rest. And he is restless for several for several reasons. He is restless out of fear that the good things will vanish. That this good decree it will leave him. He doesn't accept that this is out of his hands, and he should place his trust in Allah, and so he fears that these good things will vanish and out of the feeling of anxiety for the struggle to retain them. And anxiety as um, the doctors define it, it is a worry about the future. So whether this is going to occur or not only Allah Azzawajal knows but this person becomes preoccupied with future events and so um, He fears that his good things will vanish, despite the fact that he is experiencing good fortune. And out of the feeling of anxiety for the struggle to retain them, he is restless out of the burning urge and desire to acquire more. So his main pursuit is the dunya. Um, Night and day, all of his efforts go into this. This person has a low level of iman or no iman, and he has no righteous deeds. Allah musta'an. Because the human self by its nature know, knows no limits to what it desires. As the prophets also mentioned, that um, the son of Adam will never ever be contented, even if he is given great mountains of gold. But nothing will silence him except raw meaning that only death will satisfy him. He will never be satisfied up until death comes to him even if he is given a great amount of wealth. And this is for the person who does not have the concept of qana'ah. The person does not have contentment. Because a person can have a little provisions but he can can be contented with with that which Allah has decreed for him and he can be the richest man on earth. And so the human self by its nature knows no limits to what it desires and he may acquire them and he may not, and even if he acquires them, the restlessness which he experiences, experiences still persists, because the circle will repeat itself on him viciously, and when he is afflicted with unpleasant things. And so all of this situation, which we described previously, it refers to the good decree of Allah. Even though the person doesn't see it as a decree of Allah, this is the good decree of Allah, and this is how he approaches it he has worry and he has distress and he has anxiety and when he is afflicted with unpleasant things meaning he experiences some form of calamity um, loss of life or loss of wealth or decrease of wealth he is worried and he is full of despair and he is fearful and sorrowful and of Rahman mentions only Allah knows the degree of the wretchedness of the life he is going through and the mental and psychological sicknesses associated with it. So the true extent of what this person experiences internally, only Allah knows the degree of the difficulty experiences and the mental and psychological sicknesses associated with it. And the extent of the fear that would ultimately lead to more horrible And genius results. And this is because he neither has any hope of getting a reward nor any patience that will console him and lighten his pains. The person does not have with him the coping mechanisms to deal with these situations which Islam offers. And so, Sheikh Abdul Rahman then mentions, and all this is known, all of this is known. By way of human experience and interaction. And this is something important uh, that Sheikh Abdul Rahman mentions. Uh, he mentioned that this is known by human experience. And he's saying that human experience is a proof. If it doesn't go against the Quran, doesn't go against the Sunnah, um, then human experience it is a proof. Um, and most psychologists, they use human experience as a proof. But we said they divorce it from uh, divine revelation. They divorce it from the Quran and the Sunnah. And this is something which he says is human experience. And there are many examples in life of this. Which if you reflect upon even one of them. And observe through it human experiences. You will definitely see the wide difference between the true believer. Who is acting in accordance with a certain belief. And the person who is un- like him. And this is because the religion of Allah strongly urges contentment with Allah's provision and with whatever he gives his slaves out of his favor and vast generosity. So what he mentions to us here is that you'll find two individuals. Um, They experience the same situation uh, in terms of calamity. And misfortune and trial and tribulation and the way these two human beings react it is extremely different and this is based upon once again it is based upon a person's iman and a person's righteous deeds person's iman and righteous deeds and so Sheikh abdul rahman mentions and all this is known from human experience he then goes on to mention that if the believer is afflicted with illness, or poverty, or similar tribulations, that no individual is free from. And that is a beautiful Ibarah where he mentions that no individual is free from calamity. The sunnah, the method, and the way of Allah subhanahu wa taala is that He has made the sunnah a place of test. He has made the dunya a place of test, And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised us that we will experience some form of trial and tribulation. Allah mentions وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقُسٍ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ (laughs) الَّذِينَ (laughs) إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةٌ قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ Raji'un. Allah says That certainly We will test you With some form of fear Some form of hunger We will also test you With some form of decrease Of wealth The people around you will pass on And you will be tested by way of this مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ And he will test you with regards to a thamarat Referring to um, that which you harvest and that which you plant, like your crops, if you are a farmer And some scholars also mention thamarat can refer, subhanallah, to um, that which comes from your loins Meaning, your kids That Allah will try you with regards to your kids, that they will pass on before you and Allah says, and give glad tidings to those whom are patient. Allah that those whom when they are afflicted with a trial and a tribulation and a calamity, they say inna raji'un." they say indeed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, do we belong, and to him is our Return. Allah says, Upon those is the salawat of Allah. These people, uh, Allah Azawajal mentions them in the company of His noble angels, subhanallah. And He mentions you by name. And upon them is the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what they experience of difficulty and when they approach it with patience and perseverance. And Say so mentions that no individual is free from this that you might think a person is happy um, on the outside but internally he is facing some form of difficulty which you are unaware of however he is happy and he is contented when he is faced with this and this is the nature of a believer that when a believer is ill despite the fact the person subhanallah is experiencing the worst of illnesses they still say Alhamdulillah They only say words which are pleasing to Allah And sometimes people like this we know We draw strength from them When we see how patient they are During calamities SubhanAllah, you can find a person, a Muslim Who has been afflicted with cancer And they are in so much pain But yet they only say that which pleases Allah And as I mentioning this right now Someone comes to mind, may Allah Azza wa Jalla. Have mercy upon her. Amin. A great lady, subhanAllah, who was known to be a worshipper of Allah. That when I visited her, when she was experiencing the worst form of cancer and the worst form of pain, she only said words which was pleasing to Allah. And this was really amazing that we can draw strength from other people's approach to difficulty. And so they are happy and they are contented Because of his certain belief Al-Iman as sahih Sound Iman Contentment and satisfaction With what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has decreed for him uh, And so we will end on this point insha'Allah And we will pick up next week bi subhanahu wa ta'ala We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us From the Ahlul Surah that he makes us from the happy ones in the life of this world, but more so in the next, and that whenever we experience some form of happiness and joy, we approach it the way Islam wants us to approach it and the way Allah Azza wants us to approach it, and more so when we are trialed with calamities and difficulty, that we meet these calamities with patience and perseverance amin ya rab al alamin we independent inshallah subhanak allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu alla ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh